Okay, you guys are really good at this. Very good at sharing. How many, how many of those, how many of you brought up a, a toy from childhood? How many toys from childhood? You thought it was going to be something? No? Big purchase? Anybody go big, like car, house? Okay, good. I don't see hands there. Okay. So I don't, I don't know what you guys came up with. I'll, well, you tell you about mine. Okay. Let me tell you about mine. Several years ago, I, um, I, like to, I like to cook, not as much as I like to eat, but I like to cook. And several years ago, uh, oh, I, I believe that, that, that on the, the Mount Rushmore of, um, of, of inventions in all of human history is the KitchenAid mixer, right? I mean, that thing is amazing. It's like it's, it's a tank in the kitchen. It never breaks. It, like it does all kinds of, it does, if you need it to be done, short of cooking the meal for you, the KitchenAid mixer has an attachment that can do it, right? So, so uh, we've had a KitchenAid mixer in our house since we got married 25 years ago. That thing still just works like a charm, okay? The big, old, the big stand mixer. So several years ago, um, I, I, one, one of my specialties that I like to, to, to cook, I like to bake, is cookies. I have a, I have a, I have a pretty good cookie recipe. Um, I didn't bring any this morning, so don't get too excited about first Sunday lunch. But, but, um, but I, I like to make cookies. I have a pretty good recipe. And sometimes, sometimes I make a double batch. That's only when I'm going to share them. But sometimes I make a double batch. And what happens, you know, you start to put the ingredients in, and you turn that mixer on, and, you know, stuff come, can go flying out of the mixer. So I went to everyone's favorite store, Amazon, and I purchased this little number, right? The shield, right? The, 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 the bowl. What, what do you call this? Who's, who really knows? I, I know what it's supposed to do. What's it called? Shield. Okay, good. It's a shield. Yeah, it's the, it's the shield that goes. It sits on the edge of the bowl. It has a little spout there where you can add more ingredients in as you go along, as, you, as you're mixing things in. It's a wonderful thing. It, it came in the box in the, in the Amazon package. I put it on top of our mixer, and it never fit. Yeah, it never fit. It just sort of, like, wobbles there. It gets off, and then the, 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 uh, the mixer hits it. And so it is, it's useless. It's pointless. It's done me no good. But something else sort of fascinating happened with this thing. About a month after it was purchased and brought home and put on the mixer bowl, and, and never work right, I got an email from, from Amazon, and it said, we're very sorry we sold you a counterfeit product. Okay? Here's your money back, but what was advertised as a KitchenAid product, we have come to find out, was, was a knockoff, and it's, a, it's raw, it doesn't work, and so, so you get your money back. And I thought, there is hope, right? Those kind people at Amazon are looking out for me, okay? But, but, but I had something, I purchased something, I was, something was sold to me as one thing, but it, it wasn't what it purported to be, right? It wasn't what I thought I was getting, what I was buying. What, it, 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 it came in and it looked like the pictures and it did all things, but it was not a legitimate product, okay? And we're going to talk about today, <clears throat> we're going to talk about... <clears throat> authenticity and, 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 and what, is it, what it means when, when, when for something to, to actually be the thing that, that it claims to be and, and how, how harmful it is when, when, there, when there's a counterfeit, when something, something comes to us and says that it's one thing, but it turns out to be something different. And we've been in this series in the book, the, the book of Matthew in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of the four Gospels. 
And, and the book of Matthew, given, given to us, um, it, 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 I'm sorry, but in the book of Matthew, as Matthew writes, he has all these questions that he, he records Jesus asking. Many of them are rhetorical questions. He doesn't wait for, for a response. But, but he has these questions, and, and we're three weeks in, and the first couple of weeks, we've just looked at these. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Like, what good does worry and anxiety do you? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, Armando shared with us this one. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Like, why are we so focused on the, the failures of others? Focus our, we need to focus our judgment on where I'm falling short and then show others the same mercy that God has shown me, Jesus says, right? And so... Today, we're going to look at this one, still in Matthew chapter 7. It's just a few verses down from last week. And it's this. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The real question Jesus posed in Matthew chapter 7. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Okay? And, and, and so Jesus is making this, he's asking this question, and we're going to get into the passage a little bit more. But this passage, it essentially says, like, do, do you get good stuff? Do you get grapes and figs from bad places, thorns and thistles? Okay? Is that possible? It has, it has echoes of, of Genesis chapter 3, right? If we know thorns and thistles, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, and the Lord comes to them, and he, he lays a curse on them, and he says this. He said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And look at this. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So Jesus questioned in Matthew chapter 7, <clears throat> can we get grapes and figs from thorns and thistles? He's, he's taking the, the, the listener, he's taking them back to original sin, to the first sin. Okay? Can we get good things from sinful places is his question. Can good stuff come out of there? He's, he's asking, is there any good that comes from sin? Is there any good that comes from sin? And why would he ask this question? Well, let's take a look at it in context. In Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says this, okay? It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Or they come to you as an attachment that should sit on the bowl of your KitchenAid mixer bowl, but really, they're never going to fit, and they're only going to cause you a headache. Right? Beware of false prophets. Watch out for them. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they're wolves. Look out. Beware. There's some things that, um, that, there's some things that look enticing. They look like they might be okay, but beneath the surface, they're not what they're, what they're presenting themselves to be. So we find out through this that this is about what this, this the, the figs and grapes and thorns and thistles is about false prophets. It's about false prophets. And, 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 and the, the word for false prophets is sort of like pseudo-prophets, like, like people pretending to be something, but they're fake, okay, that they're fake. And, and they're, so they're, in this case, they're claiming to speak for God. Beware of the, like, watch out for the person who, who claims to speak for God but doesn't really. Beware of that person. So we'll, in big picture context, context, when we look at thorns and thistles and, and figs and grapes, okay, this, this warning is about who you or who we listen to. It's about who we listen to. Who do we grant authority to, to speak to us, to tell us what the truth is on behalf of God? Who are we going to turn our ear towards? That's what this warning is about 
It may guide us in other areas, but it's mostly about who carries weight in our life. Who speaks to us in ways that, that we trusted? Who do we say is the one who, who, who just like tells the God's honest truth? Right? Who's the one that just tells it like it is? And how do we, so as we look at this, if we're supposed to be aware of it, how do we spot? How do we spot honest and right from, from the lies and what's false? So let's keep looking at the passage. And this is the very verse where our question comes from. In, in, in chapter 7, verse 16, it says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Beware of the false prophets. They look like sheep, but underneath there, it's just a, it's just a, a sheep costume. It's a wolf, right? You can tell them by their fruit. Do, do we get fruit? Do we get good fruit? Grapes, figs, do we get them from thorn bush, bushes and thistles? We tell them by their fruit. You, 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 you don't get what you're looking for by going to the wrong source, Jesus is saying. We don't, we don't get the good things without, without going to the right source. So beware of the wrong source. Beware of the wrong source. He goes on, okay? He says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. It's just what good trees do and what bad trees do. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Seems easy enough, right? A little further, every tree, he goes on, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. How do you tell, how do you tell if the person who's, who you're giving your ear to the person who gets to influence your, your way of thinking when it comes to God, who gets to, who gets to touch you in, in, in your heart, in your soul, how can we tell? How can we tell if they really speak for God? And Jesus himself says this. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. We know them by their fruit. So we could sum it up this way. This warning is about who we listen to, and we need to listen to those who produce the right fruit who produce the right fruit, okay? Sufficiently vague? Yeah, there's more to say, right? But see, this is the thing. This is not the first time that in Matthew's gospel that this idea of, of fruit has come up. How, how do we recognize it? Um, when, if, if you go a few chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 3, we find this passage, and this is actually a passage in Matthew chapter 3. It's not Jesus speaking, but it's John the Baptist. Okay, this is John the Baptist, the, the one who came before Jesus, who made the way for Jesus, who called the people of, of Israel to repentance because the kingdom of God was coming. Okay, whereas Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, John says the kingdom is coming. And in Matthew chapter 3, John is out, he's gone kind of, he was, he was a wild man, he's out in the wilderness, but, but people have come to him and he's baptizing people. He's baptizing people in the, in the, in the, the wilderness and and. And, and people come out because they want to see what's going on. So they're out there sort of like for a little bit of a, of a show. And Jesus, or John the Baptist, sorry, John the Baptist says this. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, he says, when, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now look at what it says. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This fruit idea comes up again earlier in Matthew. Comes up earlier in Matthew. A couple verses down later, it says in, in verse 10, the axe, he says, is already at the root of the trees. He's using, sticking with this imagery, right? There's certain types of trees, and, 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 and those trees produce fruit. He says, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It's the exact same phrasing that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. 
few chapters earlier, John the Baptist used this same phrasing. Okay? Bad trees are going to be cut down and thrown in the fire. That's what becomes of them. It's what we do with, with the bad wood. When it's no longer producing good fruit, it's disposed of. Okay? It's disposed of. And so there's a lot going on here. Okay? There's a lot going on here. And John the Baptist gives this warning about this group, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We could do a lot with these people, um, and we're going to say a, a few things about them this morning. But, but again, you could take like entire graduate classes on just the differences and distinctions between these two groups. Okay? But suffice it to say this, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the two parties of the Jewish religious, social, and, po- uh, and political life. Okay? They, like people had, people in the, in the first, in first century Israel, they were, they, were, they were separating themselves out into these two camps. Pharisees and Sadducees. They were on opposite sides of, of the debates. Okay? They almost never worked together. Read into that what you will about our current day. Okay? But the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were, were these two groups that, that had sorted themselves out based on, on uh, honest to goodness, ideological differences. They just disagreed with one another about the basic way that the world was put together. Okay? And, and that impacted just the way that they did everything else going forward. So they come out into the wilderness to see what's going on with John the Baptist, and he has some, he unloads some criticism on them, right? He unloads some criticism on them. Um, we'll jump down to, uh, uh, to, to this, this language. So, so this idea, though, of, of the Pharisees and Sadducees comes up again. It comes up again. Jesus, Jesus speaks to them multiple times, and, 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 and at the end of the day, it's the Pharisees and Sadducees who are the ones that come together to plot to, to execute Jesus. They're, they are primarily, first and foremost, responsible for his execution. Okay? And in Matthew chapter 12, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is, is teaching again, and, and, uh, uh, and, and he has some hard words for those around him. And look at what he says in Matthew chapter 12. He says, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Same imagery, right? Good tree, good fruit. Make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. This is right in line with what John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Here it is again in Matthew chapter 12, and he says this, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now here's the thing, in Matthew chapter 12, he's talking directly here to the Pharisees and teachers of the law. He's talking to them, and he's saying this this to them. He says, you, like, you... He calls them this brood of vipers, which again has echoes of Genesis chapter 3, right? Because it was the serpent who came to Eve and tempted her and seduced her. In Psalm chapter, in Psalm 140, King David, who who spoke as as much for the the children of Israel as as nearly anyone who who had come before. King David, in in Psalm 140, he he identifies the, the, the evildoers, those who are set and opposed to God, that they are like the serpent. Like the viper. Right? So there's, a, there's an association that's going on here that, that the brood of vipers, that, the, that this, these are the people who go and do evil. They're evildoers. And even towards the end in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says this. He's talking, about, or he's talking to the people about the Pharisees again, and he calls and he says, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Look at that second phrase. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Does it get any more harsh than Jesus saying, you're on your way to hell. 
This is the strongest statement yet about this, this brood of, of vipers, this, these, these serpents, these people who, who Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, they, they look like sheep, but they're really wolves. Be on the lookout for them. False teachers. Teachers who, who are trying to convince you that, that they have something to say that speaks for God. But there's really more going on. It's a, it's a false sale, right? They're not what they say that they are. And so these Pharisees and Sadducees, look, Jesus identifies them as doers of evil. The false teacher, the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the, they're doers of evil. And he goes on to say their punishment will be severe. Their punishment will be severe. It's plain and simple, right? It's plain and simple. But remember where we started with this in, in Matthew chapter 7. Remember where we started because this warning this warning is about who you listen to. Who do we listen to? Right? Who will we listen to? Who will we give our ear to? Because in the first century, in the context that, that John the Baptist and then Jesus himself are saying these words, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had the people's ears. They be, everyone's believed they spoke for God. Now, again, it like divided out one way or the other. Okay? But it was, they were believed to be the ones who had had the market cornered on truth. That when they spoke, their words carried the, the very power of God in them. And Jesus repeatedly says to them, you're, you're, you're not honest. You're false prophets. You're like the serpent in the garden, deceiving. Oh, it sounds good, but it's not the truth. And you're leading people astray. So how do we know? One more time back to John the Baptist in Matthew 3. Look at that last line, right? When It says, when they're coming out to where he was baptizing, he said, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, question. But verse 8, look at it says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce food, fruit in keeping with repentance. There's something to do with, something, repentance has something to do with what's going on in this. It has something to do with what's going on in this. So the good fruit, the good fruit as understood by John the Baptist was, was keeping with repentance. Turning away from the wrong that you're doing, admitting that you're wrong, there's, there's humility that's lacking. Turn away from your pride towards humility, you might be saying here. Change your path. Allow yourself to be guided by the truth of God and, instead of by some other Motivation, some other direction. <clears throat> so at its base, at its base, when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, look, can, can you get grapes from a thorn bush? Can you get figs from a thistle? Like, does, does good stuff come out of, the, out of the bad? The answer emphatically is no, right? It's no. So how do we know? Well, we know by the fruit. We know by the fruit, okay? But, it's, but it's, it's about, okay, it's about who we listen to, who we listen to. So, look, simply put, right? Simply put, the warning that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 7 is don't follow this path. Don't listen. Don't give in. Don't go down this way. Don't, don't give your, your ear, your heart, your mind over to those who, who might externally 
It might look like they're speaking on behalf of God. But in reality, they're not. They're, they're, there's, there's, they're, they're speaking for themselves, for some, for some motivation that goes, that goes beyond, or, or, or does, actually beyond is the right word, that doesn't rise to the level of God's truth. So don't follow one, and of course, don't be one, right? Don't become one. Because, and this is the reason why we don't listen to. This is the reason why we don't give our ear over to the false prophet. This is the reason that we don't go get, like, get in line with those who are the false teachers, with those who are the Pharisees. Is because the voice that we listen to, the line that we get in, is leading us down a path to becoming whatever that person is. Right? Who we, who we listen to, the weight that we give to them, the more we try to become like them. And if they're false, if they're a fake, it only leads us into more trouble. So what I would like to do, because again, there's still some vagary in this. But in the passage referenced earlier, Matthew 23, a little later in the, in, in the, the book of Matthew I'm going to go back there and finish this, finish, finish our morning with, with this um, section of Scripture in Matthew 23. Because in Matthew 23, where we saw Jesus say to them, you brood of vipers, like, <laughs> you're, condemn, you're, way, con you're condemning yourself to hell. Just before that, he, he gives them seven reasons that they should be concerned. It's the seven woes. He's going to say woe. Repeatedly, but there's seven distinct, like, cautions that he gives them. And Matthew 23 takes place near the end of Jesus' life. It's after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, before um, his betrayal and, and crucifixion, before the Last Supper. He's in and around the city of Jerusalem. He's, he's doing different things. And so he is in, like, if he's, in, if, he, if he's calling them a brood of vipers, he has stepped right into the snake pit. Right? That's where he is. And he's looking around. And with what we're about to read, he's looking around in the snake pit, and he's pointing his finger at the snakes, and he's saying, this is you, and this is you, and this is you. Okay? And I would say this. They had good reason to kill him at the human level. Right? He was their enemy. He had set himself at odds with them. He was threatening their power, their place, their position. Anyone who was listening to him was going to be rejecting them. And he said these things. We're, gonna, we're not going to hit every verse, but take a look at these things. Matthew chapter 23, look at verse 13. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. The first, like, caution he gives to them. Well, first he says they're a hypocrite. We'll see that word a lot. You hypocrite. The word hypocrite because it came from the idea of, of an actor who was playing a role, okay? Someone, someone just consciously pretending to be something that they're not. So he says, you hypocrites. The first problem that you have is that your actions and your teachings are actually keeping people out of God's kingdom. Okay, you look religious. You hang out around church. You wear the right clothes and say the right things. But your actions and your teaching are actually keeping people from entering the kingdom of God. So, woe to you. The second thing he says 
Verse 15, he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. There it is again, you hypocrites. If we get a, a handle on the primary problem, they're pretending to be something that they're not. You hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. That's Jesus. You travel all over the world. Don't be, this, he's saying to us, don't be fooled by someone who's doing an awful lot of work for God. It doesn't mean, it does not mean that they're not a false prophet. Man, this person works tirelessly. It doesn't mean that they're right with God. It doesn't mean that there isn't something else going on. Keep reading. Verse 16, he says, woe to you. Blind guides, you say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Catch what he says here, right? The house of God is less valuable than the money in the house of God. So what's, what's he saying about the value set, right? How do we, what's the fruit? What's the fruit of the false teacher? Well, one indication here, one indication here is that, is that the money is more important than the work of God and the house of God and the people of God. Are we worried more about the bottom line or more about the people? Which is it? He says, one, okay, one is incompatible with being a true teacher. One is incompatible with being a true teacher. Keep reading verse 23, skipping down a little bit. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus says, right? You're, you're practicing the portions of the law that suit you. You have a really nice holiness code, right? Like you do certain things that fit comfortably within your religious identity, but you're ignoring others that matter much more. That matter much more. And I, I realize it might be unpopular to use Jesus' word here of justice, but he says it, right? Justice matters more. It's the greater law. Mercy, just unmerited kindness and favor on those who, who, who can never pay us back for anything or who have done us wrong. We just, we don't repay them that way. In kind, in faithfulness. Persistence in these things. Not wavering up and down. Back and forth, vacillating. So these are the things that matter most. This is how you can recognize the false prophet from the true prophet. What matters most? The religious practice? Looking a certain way? Performing per particular rituals? Or actually caring about the world that we live in and the people who inhabit it? making sure that their treatment is just, that we show them mercy, which matters more. A couple of verses later, verse 25, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like white, oh, sorry, I jumped in. <laughs> you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. It's getting more and more clear, right? Seeing more and more clear. The false teacher is worried about the external appearance, but inside it's about their self-indulgence. It's about their self-indulgence. It's about getting more for themselves, doing 
doing, getting what they can for themselves, their own power, their own pocketbook, whatever it may be. This is so important, Jesus repeats it. Woe to you, in, in a different way, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Woe to you. You're so worried about what you look like on the outside, he says, but, the, 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 but, but internally, there's just rot and death and decay. So look for consistency between public and private, between speech and action. That's the sign of a true prophet, not a false prophet. And he says this, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. This is a little more complicated, but follow with me. You hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of, the, of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So the Israelites had this long history of killing the true prophets who came to them, making their lives miserable, the people who really spoke for God. And Jesus says here, you know how you can spot a false, a false teacher? A false teacher is the one who says, I'm above those things. I'm beyond all that. I'm, it's not, if I were there, let me tell you, let me tell you how all those who came before me did it wrong. But I would do it right. It's the last sign of a false teacher, a false prophet. It's about who we listen to. Beware. Beware the false prophet. Because you can't get good stuff out of the bag. There is no devil's bargain here. There's no trade we can make that says, yeah, yeah, but, but this person has some things about them that are so good. That's the sheep's clothing, right? It's the sheep's clothing. But underneath that sheep's clothing, they're looking to devour. Look, don't follow. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Pay attention. Pay attention to who we listen to. Watch out for the false teacher. Don't allow, we can't allow ourselves to value the things that the, that the world values and then speak the things that, that God values. That's the false teacher speaking. So can we gather, can we pick grapes, figs, some thistles and thorn bushes, Jesus' question, and the answer is emphatically no. It can't be done. So we have to be on our watch. We have to be on our guard to, to ensure, to make sure that we're recognizing the real fruit, that we're recognizing the real fruit. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for our chance to be together. Um, we thank you for <coughs> the ways that you, you bring us together. And, and Jesus, we thank you for your life and your words. We thank you that in you we see the perfect harmony between action and, and word. And Christ, we want to look to you and see you for, for all that you are. And we want to hear you above all the other noise and all the other voices. 
And Holy Spirit, we, we ask that, um, that you, would, <clears throat> you would prompt us, you would, you would open our eyes to the ways that, that we are susceptible to, to the false teacher, to, the, to, the, to, to following the wrong voices, that, that our desires get bent to the empty promises. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth to recognize when the lies show up? And God, would you, would you help us to have a spirit of repentance, to constantly turn from our, from our wrong ideas and our, our wrong actions to back to you? And we love you and we thank you, God, and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.